When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, this is the Talking Tactics podcast. What's going on, everybody? My name is Daniel. It's your boy, H.H. Buck from the Fatherland. We were off last week. Yo, shout out to my parents. 30-year anniversary. Hey, that was last week. Man, yeah, yo, this week's crazy. It's like parents' anniversary, Christmas Eve, Christmas, Boxing Day, Skip It Day, my brother's birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's wild. There's like a whole bunch of stuff that happens in the last week. So last week wasn't going to happen for me. But we're back. It's the last episode of the year, last episode of the decade. Remember to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Talking Tactics, all of that. Right? We have some news. We're going to be doing the podcast live now on YouTube. So we have a YouTube channel. We'll put the links to that on Twitter. Go follow us over there. So if you want, if you're awake... But we normally do the podcast around, you know, 6, 5, 6, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's maybe 10, 11, 12 UK time. It's always going to be available on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Spotify. If you want to watch us, we'll be over there. You, you wouldn't watch it live. You wouldn't watch it live. Remember, as always, we're on Patreon. We got the FIFA series coming to you guys really soon. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. iTunes, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five-star review. We'll read on the show. Somebody left us a four-star review. I was Bye. like, ugh. Like, I kind of want to read it, but I can't. I'm sworn that I can't read four-star reviews. So only five stars, guys. Come on. Okay. What's happened in the past two weeks? We're going to skip the week that we should have done. So, you know, the Chelsea beating Spurs, Mika Arteta. Hired uh, by Arsenal. Um, I'm trying to think what else happened. Liverpool won the Club World Cup. So wait, 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 wait. Did we did we did we talk extensively about Arteta and Arsenal? We might have. We but I think we talked about it in theory. Like, what mm. if he goes there? Not he's there. What is it? You oh, know. Okay. Um, but yeah, Liverpool won the Club World Cup. Chelsea beat Spurs, and then they lost to Southampton. Um, <laughs> Uh, Manchester United have somehow found ways to win. Shout out to Rashford and Greenwood. Um, so yeah, that was that week. But I guess we could talk about this week. Um, mm. A lot of football. Do you find it like after Christmas and then you get Boxing Day, there's a game after Boxing Day, and then 28, 29, 30. It's like I lose track of time because it all feels like Saturday. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I think like you know, it is weird because you're like, wait, we just had games then, and then we have games again. <clears throat> Basically, it's like that's why they, that's why it's it's such a specific period because if you can come through this period on on scale, then you're looking good. And mm-hmm. Liverpool, who don't want to lose a game, my gosh, man. I mean, this was the period where you'd say, okay, these games coming through global, Liverpool. No, 
<laughs> they, they, they refuse to let up, man. So I don't so, know what the hell Liverpool are going to do this season, man. It doesn't so, no, we could be witnessing something quite historic in terms of how many teams get to the new year unbeaten. Not that oh, many. Well, well, Arsenal did. Arsenal obviously did. Mm. Wait, wait, did Chelsea lose that their one game after the new year or before the new year? It was it was against Manchester City, I remember. But guess what? We have Google. So we can Google Chelsea 2004-2005. And, and also last and, season, Liverpool, did they lose? I think they lost that game at the Etihad. Wasn't that in the new year? Um, I think it was like, wasn't it the first week in January or the second week yeah, in January? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something like that? Yes, I remember. It was January 6th. I, I, I made a whole... Right, right, right. So, January. okay, it's happened. It's happened. Yeah, Chelsea lost to Manchester City 1-0 in October. Yeah. And then went 28 games unbeaten. Wow. <laughs> they were better than the Invincibles, but we will leave that for another day. <laughs> Ah, Wayne Bridge, really. Wayne Bridge, you know. Anyway. <laughs> that's, that, that's annoying with that. They have, they have to lose that, that one game. Because that's what Arsenal are holding on to. Because my thing is this, is that if Liverpool go unbeaten, for me, it will be the greatest Premier League side of all time. If they don't go unbeaten they will, and win the league, they will still be one of the greatest sides in Premier League of all time. But Arsenal and Arsene Wenger can still hold on to that stat. Bro, am I so petty that I want Liverpool to go unbeaten? That way Arsenal fans can't claim that, like, yo, we're invincible. We're the only ones. We're the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, see, see, my thing is that I – my honest thing is that I don't have a dog in the fight. But all I'm saying is, is that Arsenal fans can still hold on to that. Like, no, if, bro. Arsenal fans are – If goes unbeaten, then Arsenal are now fully irrelevant. Because they're already going towards irrelevancy right now, especially if Aubameyang leaves. We'll, we'll get to Aubameyang. Mm. So they are, Arsenal are going are, are entering into a very dark period very, very soon. <laughs> but if they lose that invincible tag, because once a team goes unbeaten, that means you can't even use the whole invincible, like, wait, bro, that's not me. But as long as they're the only team to do it, they can still say, hey, man, we're the only team. No, no, because I, I feel like we've said in maybe past episodes that nobody's ever going to go unbeaten again. Like, that was kind of a one-off thing. Kind of kind of mm-hmm. like the same way. Like, I don't know if people say this will never happen, but I guess there's a, a feeling or a sentiment that the top clubs are never going to allow a Leicester City to happen again. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the bi- traditional big six teams, perhaps even maybe like an Everton or one of those traditionally up there clubs, maybe from like history or whatever, they're never going to let some upstart like Leicester just come and win the Premier League again. So people kind of have that idea. But there's this also idea that like, yo, nobody's ever going to go unbeaten again. But to have it, ha- if it were to happen, and obviously the fact that we talk about it probably puts out bad vibes in the air and probably means like they're going to lose in the next five games or so. But there's this idea that, yo, it'll never happen again. And Arsenal will always have that advantage of, yo, we were unbeaten. I know Preston North End did it, I think, when the – Football league started in the 1800s or whatever, but you know, no, black no, people no, weren't allowed to play no. or whatever, so <laughs> there were no offside rule, I don't think. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that you could get your ground, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you could probably go hang back in those days. So, <laughs> Yo, okay, do you want to talk about VAR? I mean, yeah, no, 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 let me just let, let, let me pose this question to you What should the offside rule be? This, this is the first element that I want to deal with, and I'm going to deal with another element, which is which is 
pertaining to how dumb the Premier League is announcing. But firstly, what, in your view, should the offside rule be? I, I don't know how to answer that question necessarily, but hopefully in the answer that I'll give, I'll answer that question, okay? So, yeah, there's the idea that level equals onside. I guess that's always given a little bit of subjectivity to the offside rule in terms of it was always what it looks like. If it looked level, then it was level. But now that they can go down to the millimeter, the nanometer with that little technology and figure out whatever it is, there's no real such thing as level anymore because we can determine if you're offside by a fingernail, a toenail, um, I know I, I know you like to say pubic hairs and all that kind of stuff. Like if your nipple's offside, then you're offside, right? Because you can, in theory, score a goal with it, um, <laughs> which yeah, I feel is nonsense, right? But it takes away the idea of level being onside, which becomes important when these decisions are so close. And this, I've, I think I've said this from the beginning, and I'm glad people have finally maybe come around to the idea, but there's a battle going on right now between the letter of the law, and the spirit of the law. Now they have the technology to judge the law down to millimeter, the nanometer, right? The rule of law can be actually adjudicated, black and white. He's offside, he's onside. And you can kind of determine it in that way. But it breaks the spirit of the law because the spirit of the law is, obviously we don't want people go hanging, so we have to come up with something to where people aren't just scoring three, five, 9,000 goals in a game. So we have to come up with something. So they come up with offside. But once you establish that, the spirit of the law is to give the attacker the advantage. Otherwise, level would be offside, but it's not. It's onside. So you want attackers to score. You want them to, you give them the best conditions to score except, you know, you can't just go Hank, right? So this VAR is killing the spirit of the law because when you see like the Sterling one from the beginning of the season or the Pookie one that happened or um, was it the, not Moutinho, but one of the Wolves players in the Liverpool game that just happened or there's been many instances, probably over 20 that have happened in the Premier League thus far. You're seeing these decisions that if the technology didn't exist in that way, the gap between the last defender and the attacker would be so minimal as to where people would say, ah, the linesman couldn't see it. Um, that's really hard to judge. And you would just chalk that off into level is onside. The attacker gets the benefit of the doubt. The goal stands or the penalty is given, whatever the case may be. We move on. Nobody really cares. But now that VAR is here, what, uh, what should offside be? I have two answers. The offside rule for however long was able to be used on any level, provided you had a linesman. So are we saying that the Premier League gets its own or just t or leagues that have VAR get their own rule for offside and all other places that don't have access to technology have a different version of offside? So like if you're playing in the park and there so happens to be linesmen or like you're playing a high school game or you're playing your school game, what is the rules for offside then? Do they change because there's no camera? Or should the professionals have something similar to what like real people have or something closer to it? So for instance, let's say they decide that because there's a margin of error and we can't really determine between you know 10 centimeters or a foot what offside is, then we're going to give the attacker a level of kind of leeway. If you go down to like school level though, does that player get the same leeway? You know what I mean? Because like, there's not going to be technology for your local school. So I feel like there should be some level of consistency to where 
it's not drastically different for the professionals. That's part of my answer, but I'll let you talk because I feel like I'm rambling. Because I just, I mean, like, I'm obviously you, you, you made some interesting points and good points with regards to the spirit of the law, consistency on different levels. But I was just interested to know if, let's say, you were the arbitrator mm-hmm. of football and so forth, what would the offside rule be for you? Like, for me, okay, maybe I'll start off and maybe this will help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe, and I think this is what I believe they said when I was growing up watching football back in the 90s. If there's any space whatsoever between the attacker and the last defender, it's offside. Because what what was the point of offside? The point of offside was to stop goal hanging. The beauty of football is it's difficult to to score. It's like chess. It's 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 a game of of chess where it's different from let's say basketball, which is there are a lot of points. It's different because like it is very it's a very complicated game and. The difficulty of you scoring a goal is the beauty. So whenever when you do score a goal, it is you suddenly to celebrate because it is, it's such a hard thing to do. So that was what it was about: is to stop goal hanging. You're not getting an unfair advantage if your shoulder or your pubic hair is beyond the last defender. You're just, you're just not. The whole point was to stop thinking. So for me, I believe that even if your shoulder or your body or your knee is just ahead of the last defender, it's not a, a huge advantage. So my thing is, if there's any space, and because we now have VR and technology, which can view any space, if there's any space between you and the last defender, that's offside. So if there's any parts of you, actually, I don't know, for, for, forget that. Space, just view if there's any space between you and the last defender, it's offside. And I believe that that is fair because you're not gaining an unfair advantage if... 80% or 85% of your body is beyond the last defender. You're just not. Now, if you are several yards or a yard ahead of the last defender, that is an unfair ad- advantage. You Wouldn't know? that create the opposite effect, though? Now, have a, I don't know if this will make the podcast right, because I don't know if I'll be able to explain this to you in the right way. But what I want you to do is I want you to put your hands together, like pinky with pinky, ring finger, middle, index, and thumb. Just put your hands together like you're praying, right? And then kind of turn it to where you're looking at the top of your hand. Like the top of your hand is in front of your face. Now I'm assuming your your right hand's on top. Now, slide your right thumb to meet your left pinky. Okay. Now, your four fingers on your right hand are offside. Wait, wait, wait. But your thumb and your pinky is that space, right? So is in this scenario... Is your right hand onside or offside by the rule that you want? Well, so we're saying my, my right hand is like is is the attacking player. Right, and- right. Now, how we see it now, the, you're offside. Clearly, like most of your hand is offside. Yeah, oh, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But if we say if there's space, your thumb and your and your and your pinky are still kind of connected. Yeah. So you would be onside by your rule. Yes. Because yes. yes. So like what did that but that's like 90% of your your right hand doesn't matter in my it goes back to what is the spirit of the law because see do you know what the issue is we are we've, we've been so hung up on the technicalities and we've been talking about the technicalities we've not we've not actually been able to say wait 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 let's chill and just say why did we invent the offside rule to, to begin with we invented it to stop goal hanging. 
Like mm-hmm. whenever I used to play football in the park, the guy that used to basically just like literally stand by the goal, be like, oh man, look, 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 you just go hanging, man. You're literally just standing by the by the goal, man. That's not just stupid. So you could just have a, a, an easy tapping. So the whole point was we don't want to give the attacker an unfair advantage. That scenario that you just gave to me there, that isn't an unfair ad- ad- advantage. Because how much of a head start does that attacker have beyond the defender? Your version of offside is like if your hands were totally apart, that's an unfair advantage. Like, yeah. So, no, no, so, you're... so, so basically, if you show me the, the, the diagram and right. there is space, any amount of space between me and the thingy, that's an unfair advantage. But if there's any overlap in the body, no matter how wide, it's still onside. Yeah. But then again, I feel like people are going to kind of be like, yo, <laughs> he's like 99% offside here. But, 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 but my question to those guys is, does he really have an, an unfair attacking advantage over the defender? That's my thing. Does he actually really have an unfair attacking advantage? Does he really have an unfair head stance ahead of the defender? I don't think he does. I feel like it would be more advantageous to go with the feet. If you want my what should offside be, it should be look Any at the boots. Foot is offside. Draw the lines there instead of looking at armpits and backsides and rib cages and whatnot. Just look at the boots. But then again, it goes to my other point. What is offside for lower levels then? who don't have the offside, yo, his boot was here, his boot was there, or whatever the case may be. Is it still the traditional version of offside? And if that's the case, how come that's not good enough for the pros? Man, I, well, <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, it should be not on basis, like, because that's a good question. So let's say we look at Sunday leagues, who can't afford VR and everything. It's a, completely different, it's, a, it's a completely different rule because there's no technology to decide on Hackney Marshes, like what's offside and what is it? So it's just as it always has been. Mm. And if it's going to be as it always has been for 99% of the people who play football around the world, why do the professionals get some different thing? Just because there's cameras? Like to me, that it feels a little bit disingenuous. Mm, I think that's why what the VAR has shown is that it has to be revisited because when you're saying that you're chalking off a goal because an inch of a guy's shoulder is offside that's insane that's insane but like like i've always said though once you give technology to people who would be who would be police officers you're putting people in precarious positions my theory has always been anybody who would be a referee is somebody who would be a hall monitor somebody who's going to grow to be a police officer a judge a Mm. prosecutor these are all the same kind of people who are like really sticklers on rules and it has to be done black and white woo 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 once you give them this technology, they're going to ruin everything because they're feds, and that's how they work. That's how they operate. <laughs> Not to mention the idea that the referee doesn't make the decision himself because they think the Premier League, in our infinite wisdom, we're going to decide that, yo, it's going to be faster if we put these people all in some part. And, and that, was, that was my next question. Whose broad idea was it to change the way we are? Do you know what it is? Do you know, do you, the <clears throat> stupidity of these big companies corporations in general, they think time is the key. They think we're going to make all the decisions come from one place. It's going to be faster. The referee won't have to go to the monitor. We'll just make it faster, 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 faster. As long as it's fast, that's what matters. No. (laughs) Speed isn't necessarily the determining factor of enjoyment. Enjoyment is the determining factor of enjoyment. 
So I need to understand what's happening for me to enjoy this thing. Once you remove an element of understanding from this puzzle, I can't solve it. It doesn't make sense. So this company thinks, the Premier League, we're just going to streamline it and make everything faster. But time doesn't necessarily equal enjoyment. Mm. So what they need to do is have the referee actually move his ass to the monitor. That way people can understand, oh, okay, the referee's going to look at it. The referee's making the decision. That way it makes more sense. But and also, also, he can be held accountable. That that that's my other thing. These dudes don't answer any questions. And, do you know what? There was there was a referee in Australia, maybe last week or the other week. The Australian, um, whoever the broadcaster, went up to the referee and asked him about the decisions, and he broke it down. This wasn't a penalty because this. This was offside because this. You know, I didn't give a yellow card here because this. I didn't see the intent. The guy made his body bigger, et cetera, et cetera. Like the referee actually broke down what he meant. And for me, it was refreshing to hear it because it was like, ah, so I might not agree with the decision that he made or the rules that he's having to follow, but this guy doesn't make the rules. He just has to enforce them. But that fact that Mike Dean, Martin Atkinson, I want to say Clattenburg, but he's not there anymore. Like all these referees, boy, whatever. What was Who's the chubby dude? <laughs> I'll remember his name Rick sometime later. Friend. He's retired now. Um, but anyway, uh, Phil Dowd. <laughs> Phil Dowd. But yeah, but like the fact that these guys can just make these decisions and then go home and they don't have to answer any questions. It's just like, yo, like what, what job is this where you can just ruin things and no accountability? Like, come on, man. Like you saying these guys don't make any bad decisions and they, they shouldn't ask answer any questions? You know that Mourinho clip where he's like, yo, I wanted to speak to him, but he was like, can I have five seconds? So he was like, no, I cannot speak to you five seconds. <laughs> like, <laughs> these guys won't even talk to the they, they won't even talk to the manager. Five seconds? Five seconds? He said, no, I cannot speak to you five seconds. Also, Mourinho, Jose. You were not going to speak to him for five seconds, bro. It wasn't going to be five seconds. <laughs> like, yo, Jose Mourinho's a Champions League, two-time Champions League winning manager who wants to ask you a question, and you're like, nah, I'm not going to talk with you for five seconds. Like, if they won't even talk to Jose, why would they talk to us? Like, the arrogance of these guys. But, yeah, man, the whole thing's annoying. We've ran it on this for way too long. <laughs> but, yeah, my, my, my only thing is use the boots if you must measure I'm cool with like them not even using VAR for offside. Just leave it in the linesman's hands. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And yeah, I don't think it's fair that the Premier League should necessarily have technology. Other than goal line technology, I feel like that's fair because that's actually 100% correct. But other than that, I don't think it's right that the Premier League should have some special offside rule that everybody else or just leagues that have the technology should have some special offside rule that others don't. Like, I, I feel that's kind of trash. What's next? What, what are we talking about next? Actually, what's what we're talking about next? You I want mean, to talk about Ibra? <sighs> <laughs> okay, so this, so this dude is like 38. What is his aim here? That's what I'm trying to understand. Firstly, I think if you have the opportunity to live in Milan, maybe you would. Isn't his wife like a model or something? Maybe Maybe that's her favorite city. For family reasons would be like my primary thing. Like they must be. Like I like this city. They're gonna offer me money. My family's happy here. You know, it's not like he's gonna have the pressure of getting them somewhere. It's just like, yo, let me go play for Milan. The question I wanted to ask, but then I stopped myself asking, because it felt like a question you would ask, and then I would get on you for asking, was is Latin still relevant? 
But the idea that we are talking about him and that people seem to care about him kind of answers that question. So that's not the right question to ask. It would be more along the lines of like, do you think he'll be successful, I guess, is a better question than is he relevant? Because clearly he is. His relevance in terms of like clicks and excitement and, oh, Ibra is really cool. But in terms of like football, football relevancy, he isn't relevant. No, he's not. How successful will he be? I mean, he'll make his man better. He'll, 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 at 38, he'll arguably be the best player in the team. <laughs> but he's not going to single-handedly help them either win the, the title or even come top two. He, he may help them to come top, top four. That is a possibility. I think that would be a great achievement. You're going to help them to come top four. But beyond that, I'm not sure what a 38-year-old can really do. For AC Milan, that's going to be truly because AC Milan. See, AC Milan shouldn't be announcing the signing of a 38-year-old. He shouldn't. That's see, that's just sad. Making an official Twitter announcement like, yeah, man, we just signed a 38-year-old striker. Nah. Like, Is he your standard 38-year-old though? I don't. Know. I don't care. He's 38 years old. <laughs> you AC Milan. You should be trying to sign young stars or stars in their peak because you want to get out to the top. That was their business model, though. Like they were, that's what they were doing. They were going out and signing like the Paquetas and the Piantex and the those kinds of players, like between you know twenty one and twenty six that have resale value. They're moving like a real Europa League budget club, even though they're a big AC Milan. But this goes against kind of that. Um, I don't know that ethos or whatever they were trying to establish. But I guess. Zlatan's going to sell shirts. He's going to move the needle. He's going to make you relevant in terms of the social media and all that kind of stuff. So I guess it works that way. Um, From an old striker to a young striker, I guess we could go with uh, Haaland moving from, is it Salzburg? Yeah. You, you could say Red Bull, and that covers like, you know, four or five clubs. Uh, Haaland moving from Red Bull to Borussia Dortmund. What do you think? Interesting signing from Dortmund. I think needed. Mm-hmm. I think they, they do need like a striker striker. I think Alcatel is good, but I don't think I don't think anybody puts him as one of the best strikers in Europe. He's just okay, decent. Well, I swear to you, I'm not I'm not sold on this Ellen Callum dude, man. Um and I just think that he's a bit too hyped up. How many games have you watched of his? Like, is, is it a matter more. of I need to see more or is it a matter of I don't care that he scored at Anfield. I don't care that he scored eight goals in the Champions League group stages. Mbappe, we read about Mbappe because he scored in consecutive Champions League knockout games. Knockout games. That's why we're like, wait, who the heck is this 17-year-old kid? Oh, yeah, he's a, he's, he's a project who, who scored in the World Cup final and almost retired Messi. So... For Erling Haaland, I need to see more. I just clearly need to see more. And I think that this is probably a good move for him because um, the game that Salzburg play is similar in style. You know, Dortmund play, Luton Favre is still a bit of a brick. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think Dortmund now having a clear focal point striker could be helpful for them. But I'm not sold on Haaland. And he still needs to prove to me that he's actually a quality striker. You know, the interesting thing about Dortmund, though, is how many strikers have gone to Dortmund with a reputation of being pretty good and flopping? That's why. He didn't flop. He, Immob- went, there, he went there and played well. Immobile? 
what, what, what were Mobley's like? I know we're going with stats he, he, here, but he didn't do too well. He didn't based on just how well he, he did for Torino. He didn't do too well for Ada Dortmund. Let's check it because I know he's balling at Lazio right now. Mm. So we're gonna check the stats. I know stats don't tell the whole story, but ooh, oh, oh, three goals in twenty-four minutes. Damn, <laughs> three and twenty-four. But bet you why I think he had like was it seven and nine before he got the the ankle injury. Let's check, Mitty. What's Mitty saying? Seven goals in ten games in in the Bundesliga. But yeah, I was thinking like, okay, so Paco, he was doing well. I don't know, he slowed down in the past few months, but maybe that was to be expected. Obama Yang bought, Bashuai bought. Obviously, Lewandowski. We're not saying he's on those levels, but generally speaking, most strikers at Dortmund they play well. So I expect him to do well. He looks huge. No, no, no. He looks like a James Bond villain. <laughs> I have some thoughts on how he looks, but nothing I would say in public. Um, <laughs> no, something I will say in public, though, is, and I tweeted this out, so anybody who follows me on Twitter will know where this is going, probably. People were praising him that um, he, he had an offer on the table from Manchester United that was worth £70,000 more per week, and he turned Manchester United and that money down in order to go to the Bundesliga, and people were arguing, oh, this is, he's so he's so smart. And, you know, this shows that he wanted more playing time and woo-woo-woo. I was looking at it like, okay, what about this guy means you would turn down, if, if we say 70,000 pounds more a week, if we extrapolate that over a five-year contract, that's 18 million pounds that you turn down to go to Dortmund. What allows you to do that? When I, when I look at it, I'm like, okay, his father was a professional footballer. So mm. this guy's not coming from some struggle place where... I need to feed my family and I'm coming from the favela or the hood or this and that. Like he has the privilege to do what's the best thing for his career. Cause the best thing for him to do is go to Dortmund, go to the Bundesliga. Maybe you make less money, but you become better as a footballer. And then once you build yourself up from there, then you can go to the Madrid's, the Barca's. If Manchester United somehow miraculously come back over the next four years, you go there, like whatever that next step is, you go there. But then I was thinking, how many players take crap footballing moves but go to that club because they offer the most money? Because my auntie's in the hood. My mom's in the hood. I, I got a family to feed. There are 20 people, 30 people, 40, 50, a whole network of people depending on me to make this money. Am I going to turn down 18 million? Am I going to turn down 15? However much the money would be. I was just thinking, how many people have the ability to turn down money, like real hard cash? in order to make the right footballing decisions for their career. Does that make sense? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's like, I think I didn't know about that whole thing about his dad being a former football player. And I think... I mean, it's what do you mean? His, his dad is the dude that um, Roy Keane broke his leg. Oh! So, 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 so he's Alpha in, in the Hallands. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah, okay, all right. Oh. So, yeah, so, you see, for me, my thing is... Now, obviously, his dad should have had a longer career. Shout out to Roy Key. Yeah, but shout, I was, I was just saying, that dude played from like the 90s up until the 2000s. Mm. So his his son's good. He doesn't need to like, yo, he doesn't need to run for the money now because it'll come. So he can make the right decision for his career. But to me, it's more like, I wonder how many other footballers, maybe if you're from Brazil, should you go to China and get the Chinese money and ruin your career? Probably not. But... Yo, I got the whole hood of the favela that needs this bread, so let me go to China and pick up this cash. 
because the bag's in China. Holland doesn't have to do that. He can go to Dortmund and make the right decision. So for me, it's like, congratulations to you for being strong enough to make the right decision. But it also makes me think, it makes me conscious of others who aren't able to do the same thing. Not everybody is in his position. So 100%, I have to sympathize with that player who you've gone through abject poverty and they have the chance to make loads of money. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we love the sport and everything. It's just putting a ball instead of, 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 of a, a fishnet. Mm. What matters more is, is my family good? My mother and people that raised me, are they good? Can I give them the life that they want? My good friends, my guys who have suffered, can are they good? And even my own family as well, can they be good? And do I, can I never worry about money again? Because trust me, I've been through such poverty. I please, you know, recognize how paranoid I am of wanting to make sure that I am over, over, over compensated and mm. compensating with regards to finances. So I don't want to begrudge the player making a dumb footballing move based purely on money, based on where they've, they've, they've come from. I know everybody is in Erling Haaland's position because in Erling Haaland, is like, okay, no, you can make the right football decision right now where you can go to a place where it's less money, but you're guaranteed playtime. It's the right system and right environment. And I think for Dortmund, I think that is the right environment for him to go to. It's the right team, it's the right system, it's the right flow, it's the right energy. So, yeah. But I, I do want to be fair, and there probably are people that do have that same privilege, if you will. Like, they do, they are able to make the right footballing decision, but they still go for the money <laughs> when, when maybe they don't need to. So it is a credit to the to the young man and his team that they made the decision they needed to make. Um, but, yeah. I'm just conscious of that because it reminded me of like when people got on, you know, Callan Hudson Adoy, where he was like, he's holding the club for ransom and woo woo woo. I'm like, bro, he just tore his Achilles tendon as an 18 year old. Why wouldn't you hold Chelsea for ransom? Why wouldn't you get the 180k a week on the table? That's that's like 40, 50 million. I'm sure his family doesn't have that kind of bread. So you take Chelsea for what you can get, like. I'm supposed to be a Chelsea fan saying this, but at the end of the day, um, I'd rather I'd rather Callan Hudson-Odoi get his money than him go to take some lesser deal and make less money, lose out on perhaps generational wealth, you know? So that it, it, it's kind of the same. It's in the Actually, same ballpark to me. Brief, because I was just doing a search of, you know, Alpha in the Haaland. I was like, oh, wow. I, you know what? I never want to hear about Roy Keane being put as one of the best midfielders in the world ever again. Because I do, because I just, I do remember seeing that challenge. Terrible. Like, it, what is Steve, like, why is this guy even praised or heralded? Why is this guy even put, even given, like, if it would be a pundit job? You ended a guy's career. And guys like, Hardman Roy, and Hardman Roy, no, you're a flipping moron. Yes, it's trash. But the people, he's remembered because those teams are remembered. Mm. But yeah, that was, it was dirty, man. United have like the the Cantona flew into the was it Crystal Palace? Thou not see that's not that is justified. (laughs) Pulling out abuse, kick him in the face. Yo, do you remember Ever? Ever's another United player where he he was playing for Marseille at the time where he kicked somebody or something like that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think the guy was shouting racist stuff, I believe, or something like that. Oh, yo, United players, man, they they. No pun intended. They see red. Um, we can do questions. My question for the vid, 
not a bit, but okay. Why does Half Hope think that Willian, if he was consistent, can be better than Messi? Do you want me to answer that? No, I want to skip to the next question. Because uh, I don't want you to... No, 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 no. I, I, I'm not here for you to embarrass yourself. Like, <laughs> Look, he asked a question. If you want to do that on the football hut, you can do that on the football hut. But can, can we keep it real? Like... <laughs> There's no crowd. You don't have to lie to me. Like, I know you don't believe this. You just say it because it's funny. But, okay. Uh, eh, well, no, 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 no. My point is that he's a difference maker and, and can change the game by himself. But the fact that you you know when you put Messi, you're just trolling people. No, it's, it's not trolling. It's, it's, it's make people think. It's make <laughs> people think. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Why does Half Hope use De Bruyne's CO Troubles? But Hazard only has scored eight goals while being in the Champions League longer than De Bruyne. This is what happens when you specifically tweet for the questions, because then you have these trolls that come out and just try to attack you. Basically, the answer to this is very simple. Hazard will always be better than De, 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 De Bruyne. Okay, next question. You know, people just research your old tweets and be like, "Ah, oh, have hope that De Bruyne was better in 2014." Those things, man. So yeah, you got to go through and delete, man. Um, okay. From Big Shot, K Gambit 11. If Neymar wins the Champions League with PSG and the Copa America with Brazil in 2020, will HH call him by his nickname, The Truth? And does this put him in a strong position for him to be the sixth horseman based on him winning PSG's first Champions League and him being the best player in MSN? Do you not know how the horsemen's work, guys? Like, as I doesn't, don't you? How many times do I have to say this? Do I have to release? I mean, you have to win a World Cup to even be considered. Just to, <laughs> to even have considered, you have to win a World Cup. So, before we go to 2020, can can we all come to the realize you have to have a World Cup medal, even even to be considered? Like your resume will be rejected without the World Cup stamp. We'll just leave that in 2019. Hopefully, hopefully we won't have to talk about horsemen again in 2020, unless Buffon retires, in which case I will bring it up because I think he deserves to be in there. Okay. Um, are City Champions League favorites considering the EPL is out of reach? No. The more the Premier League gets out of reach and the more points Liverpool stack up, the more they can put their resources into the Champions League as well. So let's say they're let's say they're 15, 20 points ahead in the Premier League. You don't think they're gonna put their resources into the Champions League now? Because no, they, they have like 20 games in hand, basically. They can no, but they, they should just have they have um Pep has failed so many times. In the Champions League, I just don't know whether I can happily put them in as favorites. They should win. I think they have a, a good chance because they have the, the squad to win. But based on my past experience, why should I put them in as favorites? You know, how big a setback is losing out on Haaland for Manchester United? That last question from, was from Mawada, and this question is from Kwesi Twenty. So, how big a loss is Haaland for United? Not that big a loss. I mean, it might hurt your pride in the sense that, like, yo, the the top young striker doesn't want to come to our club, boohoo. But the whole Rashford, Lingard, Martial, Martial Greenwood looks games. good. Like that whole, it's looking good or functional at least. So, like, like would Haaland start? And you know, like, like, would he come in to displace Martial? Not necessarily. And I don't think United fans would want that. The ones I know, anyway, they love Martial. So. But maybe maybe he comes in for Greenwood, but Greenwood. And, and and then you move Martial and Rashford into like kind of inside forward kind of sort of number ten slash number nine kind of players, and they play off him. 
they, they, you won't miss him. It just hurts your feelings that you didn't get him. But you could get him later down the road, so have patience. Um, why does HHH okay, hate players who only have physical prowess, such as Fellini, Ibra, Jan Kohler? Does he also not respect Shaquille O'Neal? Because Shaq was trash at layups and free throws, but a beast in open play? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> well, in the possible corner, so does he have a, a point there with regards to Shaq? Shaq was trash at layups. He didn't do layups. He just dunked it every time. He was trash at free throws because his hands were too big. Um, what does Lavlope have to say about his title and Chelsea prediction? Now, no one is catching us, Liverpool, and we. What have you said that Chelsea can win the league? Hey, finish the finish. Finish the question. Damn. No one is catching us, and we are gonna win this league with well over hundred points and probably being beaten as well. While Chelsea are gonna be in a top four battle and out of Europe in March. This premise is saying you've said that Chelsea will win the Premier League. You haven't said that, have you? Um, I said that until it is mathematically out of reach. Oh my god! Dot dot dot. I, I, are you? Do you want to become a meme? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying that. Chelsea, no, I never said Chelsea will win the Premier League. So I, ne I never said that. No, I just said that until it is mathematically out of reach. You know, let's just see what happens. That's what I said. That's it. That's it. That's so, it. so you want to become a meme? Okay. No, I got it. No self-respecting. You did say this. I remember commenting on one of the videos. You said this. That Chelsea would win the Premier League title. No, that like if it's mathematically possible, then woo woo woo. What do you mean? It's especially not in Chelsea's favor that Chelsea can win. No, but basically, look, all I'm saying is, is that I think this Liverpool run is dodgy. Um, and we could either be witnessing one of the great seasons by a team in the Premier League or one of the greatest collapses in the football season of all time. So, all I'm saying is that I'm just keep, keeping my eyes peeled. Opinion on Navigator's form recently. Uh, he's impressed me a lot. Are we starting to see the Cater from Leipzig days? Um, from Noon or Connor Noon? I'm sure you watched more of Cater in the Bundesliga than I did. So are we seeing good Cater? He's he's slowly getting better, slowly feeling in, but I just think that we need to see him more extensively. How long should a manager be given before consistent results are needed to justify style of play, etc.? P.S. Happy holidays, fellas, from Mason Boris. Happy holidays to you guys as well. I know he's an Arsenal fan, so maybe this is in relation to Arteta. How long should a manager be given before consistent results are needed to justify style of play? I guess it depends on, like, the situation you come in. So, for instance, like, David Moyes, right? He just took over West Ham, who are, like, at or near the relegation zone. I don't expect him to have a style of play necessarily other than we need to collect points but if you're someone like a pep who comes into a team then you want to see that style of play right off the bat it's dependent on the situation and i guess the level of players that you have you have to be given like maybe five i, I say the golden was maybe four or five games four five four, games you see something i guess i'll, I'll relate it to what i watch most I'm seeing something of like Emery in Frank Lampard, which I don't like. <laughs> Is that he changes the formation way too much? 
Mm, which is crazy. You shouldn't be, be, be doing that. So you've been here for, I guess, August, September, October, November, December, five months, six months, I guess. And you're playing 433, 4231-343-352. You're changing the formation all the time on some like Claudio Ranieri, Tinkerman kind of stuff, which I saw pieces of, of Emery. I juxtaposed the two managers when I was talking about Maurizio Sarri and Emery. Is that Sarri, no matter what, he might have changed it once or twice in a season, given personnel or suspensions or whatnot, but he was playing 4-3-3 no matter the result, no matter the game scenario. He was playing 4-3-3. He was implementing his would-be style of play. And Lampard, for the first part of this season, benefited from that in that he had a team that was well-drilled in 4-3-3 as they were for the past 12 months. Then he started tanking around with 4-2-3-1, Mason Mountain number 10s and all that kind of stuff, and things kind of have gone pear-shaped since. Arteta, I think he's played 4-2-3-1 for the, his past two games. So maybe if we're going to relate this question to Arsenal, I think you have to give him a lot of time up until the end of the season, get new transfers from January and, and the summer, and then you can start to see what he's going to do with this 4-2-3-1 if he keeps doing that if that's going to be his style of play. What you don't want is a manager who comes in and changes his style of play. If if you have to change your style of play all the time, then you don't have a style of play. So Lampard doesn't have a style of play. Otherwise, Chelsea would have one formation, a set formation, and they would play that no matter what. Like Pep doesn't change his style of play for you. Klopp doesn't necessarily change his style of play for you. They have their game plan and you have to stop them. Mm. So yeah, I don't like when I see managers do that. Fans have to give Arteta time to see what kind of manager he is. Is he somebody who's going to change all the time? Or is he someone who I think, especially coming from Pep, who's going to like, this is how we play. You're going to have to stop us. We'll, we'll have to see. All right, last question. Talking tactics, team of the decade for the Premier League and La Liga. I've seen a lot of these teams of the decade. You want to make one for the Premier League? Well, I mean, I'm not that's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not, I mean, is it those kinds of questions you have to know beforehand because they do it on the sports is like it's actually not that difficult, I don't think. The goalkeeper would be De Gea. So De Gea. you could maybe make an argument for Czech, but we'll go with De Gea. The two center backs, Vincent Company and John Terry, unless you have another suggestion of a center back that you might want to put. Because I think I feel like people put Virgil Van Dyke into their team of the decade, but he's been doing it for one year out of ten. No, no, you, you can't can't put him in the decade, no. Or two years, maybe like 2019, 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh Terry was good in 2010 through I'd say 2015 for that title run. And then 2016, things went a bit sideways. And he had a good season at Villa, but that wasn't in the Premier League. So um left back. Ashley Cole. Yeah, I mean, like, I, Ashley Cole only had like three years, <laughs> and those three years is still better than anyone else's seven, eight years of this decade. I mean, who, who, which other left back can he put ahead of him? You who? could put Evra, Evra, you could put Leighton Baines, <laughs> you could put, I think, Robertson is too soon. Who's been City's left back? Clichy. No, hell no. Kolarov at left back? No way. This is Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole, really? Like, has left back been that trash? Yeah. Like, I I cannot name another left back I would put out of Ashley Cole for this decade. 
Because he was replaced in 2014 or 2013, I think, by Aspilicueta. So from 2013 onwards, who has been a, a great left back through those years? No. Not until Robertson, I don't think. Mm. Damn. Right back. I think there's like, I mean, you could go Kyle Walker, maybe. You could go Aspilicueta. You could maybe go Ivanovic. Who would you go with? I mean, that's, that's a tough one. I think I'd go with Aspilicueta, to be fair. I think he's been like one of the best defenders, just like pure straight defenders. You want to just, yeah, I mean, yeah, probably ask for the question. Because if you're just you're looking at the decade, he's really been a mainstay of, this, of, of the decade. So ask for the question, okay, yeah. It is a bit weird, though, that like, like fullbacks in this decade have have evolved into becoming attacking options, yeah. or at least in, in, in top clubs. Ask for the question, isn't that? So maybe Ivanovic would be like more in line because he was a more marauding kind of get forward and get goals kind of guy. But I still think that Aspilicueta was has had a better decade than mm. Ivanovic. So I'm trying to think. So who were the right backs for like so who was United's right back? Good question. <laughs> who was United's right back? Wait, 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 wait. Heinzer. Wait, was it Gabriel Heinzer? No, not in this decade. Who was United's right back? <laughs> Let's look up the was it 2011 CL final. Let's let's who did they start out with, man? Fabio. <laughs> all, right, all right, nah, man. Let's do three midfielders and three forwards. So DM, the best DM of this decade. Kante. Yep. <laughs> uh the two central midfielders will go with um and Kante's not really a DM, but he's the most he's gonna be the more defensive minded of these three. Um, so we'll put that disclaimer out there. Um hmm. see a lot of the players you would want to put, like like that I've seen people put, like I've seen Gerard, I've seen Lampard, I've seen all these names, they straddle the decade. So if you wanted to have like a 05 through 2015, you might put Gerard, you might put Lampard, but a team of the decade, which is 2010 through 2019. I'm looking at David Silva has yeah. to be in here. Oh, I mean, did the Bruyne for the decade? I don't. I don't. Did you, did you, did you see the decade? Yaya Toure, but is he another one that kind of straddles the decade? Like, yeah, it's like he had like two amazing years, and that's it. He just had. Yeah, looking at the guy who was on a consistent level for the best pastor of of the decade. Hmm. Spurs have anybody? I mean, Erickson. I don't think Erickson would be nice enough. No, no, you can't say Skulls. Um, I mean, they have to, have to put David Silva in there. Silva's in there. Yeah. For sure. I'm, I'm going to put Yaya Toure in mind, man. 22 goals or 2013-14 was the greatest season of a midfielder I think I've ever seen. So, <laughs> you get in my team. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Yaya. Yeah. But that, so Kante, Toure, Silva, that's mine. If you can think of if you can think of another name, then fine. But I don't think I can think of one. No. Um. All right. Forwards. You know, somebody might say put Rooney in midfield. I don't, I don't know why I felt that energy, but if you want to fit Rooney in the team, you're not going to put him at striker, and you can't put him on the wing. So you might drop him into midfield if you wanted to fit him in the team. Which isn't that bad of an idea. Mm, for, for, for me, Rooney doesn't make my, my team personally. But, you know. I'm just saying, it's an option. 
Um, all right. Left wing, Eden Hazard. Yep. <laughs> right wing, ooh, Sterling? For the decade. I mean, how good was he for, for Liverpool? I mean, he's been around, I think, since 2012, 2013. Oh, shit. Not, not, not any really good right side of the forwards. Obviously, I mean, striker. Who do you say? I mean, do you... Do, oh, wait. Aguero. It's Aguero. It's Aguero. It's Aguero without question. That's like the most obvious one, is that mm. Aguero. So, yeah, maybe... Right wing, Aguero. man. Right wing's crazy. I mean, like, I part of me wants to say Bale, but he wasn't here long enough. No. He, but so he was the best right winger that been there, but it's about Premier League team of the decade. You see, you see this is where you may have to even change the formation around because I can't think of a right-sided mainstay for the decade. Like, I can't think of one. I'm going to put Sterling in mind, yo. Well, for the decade? The decade? Like, he's oh. only really been exceptional in the last few years. He was not that great for Liverpool. So, he played 2013-14, 24 games, 9, 7, 6, 7, 18, 17, 11. So, yeah, he's really come on in the last three seasons. See, there's a lot of players, I think, that will straddle this decade as well. They'll be really good from 2015 to, like, 2025, but they might not have the whole of twenty to the, the 2020s for that team of the decade as well. I don't know. My brain's kind of faulting me in this sense. So, I'm, I'm going to say Sterling. I'm going to say Sterling, Aguero, and Hazard. But I'm sure some people will be like, yo, you forgot such and such. We're only human. Um, any other topic you want to get to? That was the end of the questions. Yeah, no, no. I think we, 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 we covered the main ones, man, for sure. We covered, covered the main cracks. Anyway, this has been Talking Tactics Podcast. We thank you guys for listening. Um, we will see you guys in 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you for riding through us with 2019, man. Thanks for your support. It's been a, been a fruitful year. Hopefully bigger and greater things and interesting things. For talking taxes in 2020, man. Yeah, man. So, talking taxes podcast. We will see you guys next week. If you're on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five star review, and we will read it on the show. Half hope. Where can people find you? You can find your boy at halfhopefootballhot.com, baby. I'm at Daniel to look. Carl's at Anchorman six one six. Check him out at the Athletic. Talking Texas podcast. Sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. Peace, peace, peace. Good luck. Sports Social Podcast Network.